1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. And you have today's first guest. I do. Alex Wilson, broker of record at Remax Wealth Builders. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Asif. Alex, I know you've been working with investors for many years and, and putting on seminars. Tell us a little bit about investments in today's market. How how are people coping with the higher rates and where are they going? So when, when I started investing myself and what I teach clients uh, is that you should always look at real estate as a long-term holding uh not a game, but a long-term holding investment strategy. So what you want to look at is the future. So I always look at my portfolio in 10, 20, and 30-year increments. I'm not worried about what it's worth today. And specifically, to keep it really simple, if we look at it as 30-year increments, 30 years is the length of a mortgage. And if I amortize my portfolio over 30 years, my portfolio portfolio will be paid off. So I'm always looking at what my portfolio is going to be worth in 30 years. But one of the key components of having a successful real estate portfolio is managing your cash flow. And in today's interest and high interest rate environment, people are getting squeezed on their portfolios and people that bought four or five years ago, pre-construction in, in the Toronto market, uh, they're not seeing positive cash flow. They're seeing negative cash flow. In, in some instances, um, 1000 or $2,000 negative a month cash flow. And that puts stress on them uh, significantly if they're only putting 20% down. Now, you can always get that cash flow up if you put more money down, but generally people are looking to only put 20% down. So I would say right now there's a lot of stress on the market here in Toronto. Now, to answer the second part of your question, where am I putting people or where are people looking at investing? I'm looking at affordable markets and we've been doing a lot of work in the Calgary area uh, for the past, well, since 2019, so four years now, uh, because that there offers a much more affordable market for investors to invest in. And even at these high rates, you can get cash flow positive properties. So for those investors, for those landlords here in Toronto, the GTA, how do you budget for right now and manage the stress that they are experiencing right now? So, so there's a line we're using in the real estate investing world. It's survive till 25. Oh. And what that means is you're looking to survive your negative cash flow situation until 2025 when we expect interest rates to stop going down, um, start going down, sorry. And you're just going to have to manage your, your, your savings. So you're going to be looking at putting money potentially back into your, your real estate properties. And you can look at, at, um, at balancing your portfolio, maybe you do need to sell something. But here's the issue, is that a lot of these properties are tenanted. And a lot of people don't understand that it's very difficult to sell a tenanted property. And you can't just tell a tenant to leave 
when you go to sell a property. And that causes a lot of issues on the sale of a potential condo if you're trying to sell it when it has a tenant in there. You cannot just issue notice to a tenant that they have to move out of the property just because you're putting for sale. That's not the case at all. Um, They have the right to stay there and you have to issue them once it's a firm sale um, and then from a start of a rental period, as long as they're month to month and the person that's buying it is moving in, then you can issue notice that they're going to vacate the property, but they can still cause problems and you're looking at an eight month backlog at the landlord or tenant board. So there are a lot of, landmines out there that you're dealing with selling these investment properties uh, currently right now. So your best bet is to figure out a way to keep the property because if you take that long run approach, values will go back up and this is a short-term problem. So my advice to people is find a way to hold on if you can and if you can't, then we'll look at your portfolio and figure out what's the best way to balance it so that you can keep properties that you currently have or is uh, the, the amount of properties that the a, a potential portion of the properties and maybe you sell up one or two of them so and Alex for you know I like that survive to 25 uh, but when you're looking at some of the people that you've served over the last four or five years and their mortgages are coming up for renewal it's hard to kick the tenants out because of the backlog at the landlord tenant board what's the best strategy for them if they're renewing their mortgage? Are you saying go short-term as well, or uh, is it uh, is it just a cost of doing business? Uh, so so he, here's my answer. So you're saying what interest, interest rate they should be looking at? Like what uh, what should they renew at? Yeah, if, if their renewal is coming up right now <clears throat> and they're going to be five $600 short uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of mm-hmm. what they're receiving, what's the mm-hmm. best strategy for those investors in today's market? Yeah, so so here's the key thing. So let's say you're negative $500 a month, hypothetically. Um, remember, you still have equity pay down on that property. Every month you're paying the mortgage, you're paying down part of the equity on that property. So how are you going to make up that $500 a month? So we'll say, uh, first of all, it depends if you're in a rent-controlled building or not. So if you're in a non-rent-controlled building, that's a building built after completed after November 15, uh, 2018, then you can increase the rent-to-market rates if the the if the market allows you to do that in regards to, but, but if market values are up or on that unit. Um, but other than that, I would say if you're looking at renewing, what interest rate you're going to go for, it depends on what you want to do. So this comes into another whole conversation as well. So if you plan to, hey, you know, maybe I'll, I can survive for a year, maybe my tenant's going to leave in a year and I have a renewal coming up, but I want to sell in a year, then you probably want to go into a variable rate mortgage. The reason for that is, the penalty to break the variable rate mortgage is only um, three months interest. But if you were to go into a fixed rate mortgage, uh, now you're dealing with interest rate differentials. And if you have a drop, a significant drop in interest rates, you could be looking at a massive, massive penalty to break that mortgage. And then you wouldn't be able to sell. Well, you'd still be able to sell. You can always sell. But then you'd be looking at paying tens of thousands on thousands of dollars to the bank just to break that mortgage could be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. So you, you definitely don't want to lock into, let's say, a five-year fixed rate now um, because that could be a, a situation. So you want to look at what what's on the horizon. When are you looking to potentially sell that if you are looking to sell that? And if you are looking to sell it in the short term, then definitely go into the variable rate mortgage. And then the happy medium is getting a three-year 
fixed rate mortgage three years from today. That'll put you into 2026. And then you should be refinancing in a um, much better interest rate environment, renewing in a much better interest rate environment. Uh, and, but you've, um, you hedge some of the risk of any potential other increases in the uh, interest rates out there. Wow, Alex, it sounds like such a fine line that uh, that people are walking these days. Part of your title is Wealth Builder. How would you mm-hmm. build the wealth of someone listening then right now? So let's say you're you're like, well, whenever I whenever there's storm clouds in the sky, that's when I see opportunity, and that's one hundred percent. When there's storm clouds, that's a great opportunity to make money. So you know, and I find it's a cliche because it, real estate agents always say hey, it's a great time to buy, but if you have the ability to buy right now, there are going to be deals on the market over the next six months um, because you're going to have people that are stretched, Uh, whether it's in the assignment market and that's people buying people's original contracts at original prices or even below original prices. There's those opportunities out there because they're not able to close or qualify for mortgages on pre-construction properties they bought four to five years ago. Uh, Or you can look at properties on, on the resale market. Again, will you cash flow? With 20%, you will absolutely not cash flow with 20% down. But if you, you you put more money down, 30, 40, 50%, probably 50% down, you will cash flow and you're looking for that appreciation when the market rebounds. Now, if you're someone, again, who is, okay, well, if I'm looking at the market and I only have 20% down or I only have sixty dollars to $80,000 to invest and I hear there's lots of taxes when I invest in Ontario, whether it's land transfer tax or development charges, various things, uh, HSC rebates that I'm dealing with, where can I invest? And that's where, again, where we go back to the Calgary market. We find that uh, investing in, in the GTA and specifically in Toronto, it's really a wealthy person's market now because we're getting into that 30, 40, 50% down just to be in a cash flow neutral situation. Where in Calgary, you can still put 20% down and a mom and pop can start building a real estate portfolio with 60, 70, $80,000 and start building up their properties. And when you look at population growth, Alberta is leading Canada in population growth. And when you look at uh, over the next 20 years, Alberta growing by 48 percent and specifically Calgary by 62.5 percent adding a million people if you're in the business of investing in roofs overheads which is essentially what we are as landlords and investors I want to be investing in the market where the population is growing the fastest and speaking of where to invest Alex I know with everything happening here with the LTB and the delays and the horror stories people have been looking to Alberta because they don't have those delays and it's easier for non-paying tenants or uncooperative tenants to be evicted from their properties. Is that playing a role in some of the people from the GTA going to Alberta to invest? Uh, yeah, my definitely seasoned investors that understand the dealing with a landlord and tenant board in Ontario, 100%. So you don't have any rent controls in Alberta. You have fixed-term leases, what that means. At the end of a lease period, you can tell the tenant to leave. Uh, tenant doesn't have the right to stay in the property like they do in Ontario. Um, if, a tenant, if a tenant stops paying you rent, again, as I mentioned, you're looking at eight months to up to 12 months to get that tenant out in Ontario. That's a long time with no money coming in. It takes three weeks in Alberta to get someone out. So it is a very pro-business uh, environment, pro-landlord environment for investment. Um, so that's why a lot of experienced landlords are very attracted to Alberta 
because they're focused on cash flow and they realize that it's much more favorable for them to invest and uh, run an operation out there. Okay, sign me up. Alex, if our listeners want more information, how can they contact you and get more details of the Calgary market or even just bounce ideas off you for investing? Yeah. Yep. So our website is remaxwealth.com. And if you go to our website, remaxwealth.com, we're constantly putting on webinars. We have a webinar each week. Uh, check us out, remaxwealth.com. And uh, we just love to educate people and help them uh, build wealth and uh, generate financial freedom. Alex, thanks for being on On The Market. Great. Thanks so much, guys. After the break, the ongoing delays at the Landlord-Tenant Board. This is On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with today's next guest, Asif. Thanks, Tina. Joining the show again is Simona Zaslavsky from Mayfair Law Group. Simona, welcome back. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me back. So there's so much in the news with landlord-tenant issues and rent strikes. Tell us a little bit about what's happening out there. Well, it's actually a it's a it's a nice shift from us always talking about the landlord, you know, being in the being in the right. Now we're kind of looking at what's going on on the tenant side. So we're getting a chance to look at the balance of the two. So lately, um, the biggest thing in the news have been these rental strikes, and I believe there's two buildings. I think uh, on Lawrence. Right now, there's about 100 tenants that are on strike saying, we're not paying the rent, we're not doing anything because the landlords are not listening to us. So there's bed bugs, there's elevator repair issues, it's unsanitary to live there, it's not safe, and the landlord continues to increase the rent. Okay, so from the tenant perspective, it sounds like in this particular situation that they may be on the right side of this issue, don't you think? In this particular case, yes, because they pay rent and they ask for things to be done and they're being ignored. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, where's management? Where's health and safety? What's going on on that end? Why are they being ignored? At this point, Canada Post won't even deliver the mail to these two places. And Simona, when you have landlords uh, having tenants that are striking and not paying the rent and possibly putting the building in jeopardy, uh, the building's financial situation in jeopardy, how how can a tenant justify, first of all, not paying the rent or or not facing any consequences for not paying the rent? Well, that goes back to our main issue, which is who adjudicates these issues between the landlords and the tenants, who settles the disputes. So that goes back to what we always talk about, which is the landlord and tenant board. And, you know, sometimes 
the tenants are in the right. Actually, I believe that there was a building um, on King Street that they actually formed a tenant union because the building continues to increase the rent above guidelines. Uh, those are called AGIs, above guideline increases. And so they're actually allowed to increase with approval 3% over the regular Ontario regulated rental increase. And so this specific building formed the union and said, we're not paying anything. We're, we're standing together, proud, and we're going to dispute all of this because not only are you increasing our rent, there's people that are paying, they used to pay 500, now they're paying $1,000. A lot of these people are on ODSP. A lot of these people are seniors. They just can't afford it. There's so much to unpack there, Simona. So what do you what do you tell a landlord or a tenant in that situation? Because, you know, we really can't justify a tenant strike. There's also landlords that are just trying to make ends meet as well. These are small investment properties for them. How do you bring these two sides together? So the the whole imbalance goes back to what we have adjudicating all of our matters. Mm. We have the landlords who are probably, I don't want to say they're bleeding money, but things are very expensive. It's expensive to renovate. Material is expensive. It takes time to do all of that. And then you have the tenants who are just trying to live within their means. But the two sides are clashing. And the policies that are out there through the government, through the province, through the city, it isn't enough. It isn't enough to help both sides. So there, there has to be a good look through the government's eyes to say, we need to fix this. And we're not going to make both sides happy, but this can't go on. And Simona, with these landlord-tenant delays, we, we just heard from uh, one of our guests that in Alberta, they don't face the same types of delays. They don't have the same type of regulation where landlords can evict someone in three weeks. Do you see that ever coming to Ontario and why or why not? I don't see this coming to Ontario. I don't see this coming because I think that um, the government has just had a little bit of a struggle in trying to clean up what's already happened. For them to get it to that point won't be in my lifetime, and I really doubt it'll even be in my son's lifetime. But there was a period of time where if you didn't pay your rent, you would be evicted. Are those days long gone? So you're still evicted if you're not paying your rent. You don't pay your rent, you apply to the board, you wait for a hearing, the hearing comes and the adjudicator says, okay, I'm sorry, you haven't paid, you have to leave. You go through the process and have them leave. But they, they do leave. It's the time frame. So it's the issue that, is the it's timing. eight to ten months that needs to be brought down. And the amount of time that it's going to take to get that done, we're looking at a long time into the future. And, and for those landlords that are going to be facing huge increases when they renew their mortgages either later this year or into next year. How do we make sure that they're able to 
service these properties and, and maintain these properties for these tenants because that money's got to come from somewhere. Do you see uh, uh, that playing a factor in the quality of rentals that will be out there or even the landlord's ability to service the rentals they currently have? Well, what I what I do see a lot is well, what I what I always advocate is obviously speak to your landlord, speak to your tenants, be open and honest, don't over leverage yourself, live with your means, and I can you know preach that until I'm blue in the face. But the reality is is that a lot of people are not in that position. So the you know you have you have tenants that are over leveraged, you have landlords that are over leveraged, and. I, I don't see anything happening in a positive way. I see a huge increase in applications. I see a huge increase in disputes. That's all I see over the next year or so. You've been doing this for quite some time, Simona. Where do you think there is there an end in sight? You kind of said no, but there has to be some sort of resolution eventually. So... I was reading that there's about 46% of Torontonians that are renters. And, you know, it's a, it's a very competitive market. These people that are going on strike, these people that are going to be kicked out of their homes, these people that have to find another place to live, <clears throat> there's just more renters being thrown into this market. So how is the city, how is the province going to fix this situation? Is it going to be through building more units? I, I, I don't know. Is that going to be the solution? That's just placing them into new properties where disputes will continue to occur. But who's fixing these disputes? What are the policies that are in place to make sure that these things don't happen? Make it fair for both sides. Samara, always uh, great information and, and always a pleasure to have you on the show. For our listeners that may have landlord or tenant issues and need to contact you, how can they do that? Of course, uh, we can be contacted through our Instagram page. It's Mayfair Law Group or send us an email at, um, through our website, www.mayfairlawgroup.com. Samara, thanks so much. And uh, we look forward to getting an update from you again next month. Thank you so much. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Khan are next, and we begin with Arlena in Richmond Hill. They own a semi-detached and are hoping to purchase a larger family home, but worry about the risks of taking on a bigger mortgage during this current economic climate. Asif, what do you think they should do, and is it time to sell? Well, if you own a semi-detached or, or you know, a townhouse, something smaller, 
that's the hot part of the market right now. That's what's moving because that's affordable for the majority of the buyers that are out there. So it is a good time to sell because there's not a lot of inventory out there. And there's still a lot of buyers that have been sitting on the fence and have just decided that it's now time to go. So although it's a little bit quieter, there's still a good number of buyers out there. So is it time to sell? I would say yes, it is time to sell because you want to hit when the market does not have a lot of inventory. And that's where we're at right now. As for the other side of the question, is it okay to take on a larger mortgage at this time? I would say if you were going to do that, go with a shorter term. You don't want to lock in for five years at today's rates because the reality is over the next two years or so, the rates are going to start to come down a little bit. All right, they're not, not going to be pre-pandemic or anything like that, but they'll probably hover around the four and a half to five and a half range. So if you were to get a one or two year mortgage and then refinance at that time, uh, when that comes up for renewal, you'll probably be in that four and a half to five and a half percent range. So if you're going to do it, do it with a smaller term or a, or a shorter term. And that way you're not committing for a long term with the higher rates. Asif, here we are, though, in in mid-fall. Traditionally, is this a good time to sell? This is traditionally a good time to sell. And I know nothing is traditional anymore in terms (laughs) of your industry, but... Yeah, it's it's been a challenging year for sure. And just when we think that we're going to come out of it, then we see that uh, the rates have increased again and people go back into a holding pattern. So, but if you're looking to sell, you want to hit the market when there's the least competition for your home. And if you look at the months of inventory, even though we're hovering around the three months right now, it's still pretty low. And, you know, we were used to six weeks of inventory. So we were spoiled and and we thought that uh, that was a lot. But at three months to four months, it's pretty normal. So it's still a good time to sell. All right. On to the next question. Pat from Markham wants to know if you think the open house is a worthwhile tool to sell their home. It certainly is. And, and you're seeing more open houses come up now. And the reason is there's buyers have more time to shop for houses right now. So you're not seeing the houses sell in three hours or two days as they were in the really heated market. People are going around, they're doing their due diligence, they want to bring in their family and they want to make sure that everyone's on board to make this purchase. So an open house is a great way to showcase your home. And especially when there's other competition in your area, you want to be open if they are. So make sure that if you are on the market and your neighbor has a listing and they're having an open house, you want to make sure that you're available for people to see at that time as well. Talk about tools to sell a home. We've seen those signs in our neighborhood that say coming soon. Is that a worthwhile way or, uh, you know, a really effective way to sell a home? And then what about those agents who hope to maybe hold on to offers and take everyone all at the same time? Is that also an, an effective way to sell a home? That's uh, So holding off on offers, uh, it's usually a... Uh, either a late winter, early spring kind of tactic. Uh, and, and you want to make sure that, of course, inventory is low and there's a lot of buyers out there. It may not work as well right now because people don't want to get into a bidding war and have to overpay. But it depends on the price point that you're at. If you're pricing it really low and hoping for a lot of traffic to come in, then you want to hold off offers. But uh, it's, again, it, the people that are holding off offers, the reason you're seeing a lot of uh, terminations right now in terms of listings and, and relist, which means they're coming back up at a higher price, it's because 
they tried a low price to try and get a lot of traffic in. It didn't happen, and now they're relisting at a more realistic price. So the time for holding off offers is not right now. It's more of a, a late February, early March, April type of thing. In terms of when you're looking at other tools to sell your home, like a coming soon sign, that's a very effective strategy because if people are looking in your area, you don't want them to make a decision on something before your house comes up. So if they know that you're coming up and you're going to be on the market in three to five days, then they're going to be uh, waiting around to see what you offer or maybe even making a call to your agent to ask what you offer before they make their decision. That's great inside information. As a reminder, if you have questions for On the Market, go to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can email me at asif at thehomeshop.ca. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.